Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 1. A Cold War-era military base in the Horn of Africa called Cagnew Station. For years, there was an official story about a U.S. intelligence project at Cagnew, codenamed Stonehouse. The project included a pair of 15-story parabolic antennas that the American government claimed was simply part of a powerful radio communications operation. But as the space race with the Soviet Union intensified, that cover story looked increasingly flimsy. By the 1970s, civil war forced the U.S. from Ethiopia, and Cagnew Station closed for good. Or did it? What was Stonehouse, really? What happened at Cagnew Station between 1974 and 1991 when violence and war gave perfect cover to any shadowy agency, organization, or cabal seeking it? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Rudy Wells, and I'm here with my guests this week, Hassan Gray and Deborah, who will also be my co-hosts throughout the season. Each of them has extensive knowledge about the subject of this first season. Uh, This is the first show of our brand new podcast. So before talking to Hassan and Deborah, I just want to lay out the concept for optophobia. We will be examining what others dismissively call conspiracy theories. The world is not quite the way it's portrayed to us. We'll be looking for facts long obscured by a web of quote-unquote official narratives pushed by shady confederations intent on evil doing. Each season, we'll investigate one of these theories, going deep in our hunt for the truth. And every week, we'll invite a new guest to give us their take on the subject we're focusing on that season. Hopefully, they'll push us closer to uncovering the real story. So before we dig into the subject of our very first season, let's meet my two guests today and your co-hosts for the season, Hassan Gray and Deborah. Hi, Rudy. Hey, Rudy. How are you guys? I'm all right. Every day on Earth is a good day, as I used to say, and still do. So Deborah, let's actually start with you. Tell us a little about where you're from and your background. So uh, I am from the lovely Sandy sunny land of California. And I actually, up until very recently, had a syndicated radio program titled Deborah. It was all about finding love. In fact, that was my tagline is let's find love. You found Deborah. And I would match stories to songs and songs to stories. In fact, I can match pretty much any story to the perfect song. It's an uncanny ability of mine. But I I really found another calling through my radio show, and that is my, my calling as an American patriot. 
And as you'll read in my, my new book, I Can't Go for Mind Control, parentheses, no can do, and parentheses, colon, the Soviet roots of Hall and Oates, you'll notice that I have uncovered some secrets about so-called American pop groups. And my duty as a patriot is to uncover them for the public. And that was a little too much for my producers at WGLT to handle. So when you were doing your radio show, Mm -hmm. people would call in for relationship advice and you would talk to them, but then you would match perfectly. You would match their problem with a pop song. Exactly. Yes. Their story. In fact, we all have a story. We all have a journey. And those happen to be perfectly matched with pop songs in my mind. It was your experience with pop songs uh, so extensive that you were able to just, I mean, it seems like a unique skill. I have what they call a popographic memory, um, whereas I hear a pop song, I imagine I imagine it in the context of, of a multitude of stories, and then I can remember it word for word almost. W- would you like to give me a story and I can connect it with the song? Uh when I was younger, I really hated pickles. Mm. My parents really wanted me to eat pickles, and so they would, without my knowing it, kind of slice them up really small and put them in ice cream to try to disguise mm. the pickle flavor. Yeah. I would match that with Big Shot by Billy Joel. Oh. You had to be a big shot, Mom and Dad. You had to put pickles in my food. That's the feeling that I get from your story. Because didn't you feel like your parents had to be big shots, didn't they? I did. Trying to make you eat those pickles. That helps That helps even now. You, you still got it. It's amazing that they would have take that away from you and from us. You put it very well. Well, I'm excited to read your book, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that our listeners do too. Uh, let's turn to Hassan Gray, hey, my Rudy. other co-host for this season. Hassan, tell us uh, a little about yourself. Uh, well, uh, I'm 32. I'm a sales analyst at uh, Verizon Fios, uh, doing uh, installations of Fios and getting people uh, connected to the interwebs, as it were. Uh, in my free time, I run a podcast called Not My Problem, where, uh, where I just interview my friends in the uh, cable industry, and we talk about uh, some of the customers we've uh, interfaced with, as it were, um, and the problems that they talk about, because... They're always, you know, when the internet or a cable goes out, they're like, oh, this is a big deal. But we're always like, it's not my problem. So that's what I do. You, how long have you been working in that field? 15 years. And is that? Yeah. How long have you had the podcast? 15 years. Started day one. Day one of working at Verizon. Yeah, I had a customer call me and say they spilt coffee on their uh, living room box. And my first response was, that's not my problem. And they proceeded to curse me out, asked to speak to a manager. I sent them just to another colleague. Um, but that was where the idea started. And that day you, you started your... That day I, I actually got paid that day as well from my previous job. Um, it was my last paycheck. And so I used all that money to buy uh, a Yeti mic and uh, some podcasting uh audio software and there I was wow 15 years is a long time to be podcasting you must have a big audience that's a big audience what what is big really like because if you have one person listening technically 
that's big all right so um my mom always tells says that too she says oh 15 years you should have a big audience but i'm like i'm you things grow slowly you plant a seed for like a beetroot and it takes anywhere between 15 30 days to sprout so i don't see anyone over that beetroot's neck telling it hey hurry up grow up already move out <laughs> So how well, how, many, how big is your audience now? I got like uh, five other uh, cable guys listening on a regular basis. Yeah, so that's grown yeah, a lot. It's grown uh, 15 years, five people. I don't know the math on that, but um, it's it's growing surely, slowly but surely. So In 30 years, that'll be 10 people. Yeah, and if I can get 10 people listening, they tell 10 people, oh, look out. Yeah, that's 20 people. Yes. Yeah, ten people tell other people that's twenty. Then I'm then I'm cooking with grease. That's just one other person. If the, if those people tell, a couple of those people tell two other people. Yeah, I'm I'm really, if I'm being honest, looking for anyone to tell someone else about my podcast. Because right now it's just me and my, my friends who listen to it and are on my podcast. So I've had the same five guests for fifteen years. So well, hopefully this podcast will spread the word about yours. Hopefully we can keep promoting it the same way we promote. We'll promote Deborah's book. Yeah. So let's take a. A look at this season of Optophobia. It's the first one uh, that we're that we've ever done, and we're concentrating on CAG News Station. Um, so let me just take a few minutes to lay out what we know about CAG News from historians and uh, from declassified intelligence documents. This is just the straight story of what we've been told, and then after that, we'll talk to you guys about what you have researched and what you've written about. Cagnu, because I know you both have interest in this. So Cagnu Station was originally an Italian World War II era communications base called Radio Marina in the Horn of Africa, about 50 miles from the Red Sea. The U.S. assumed control over that station, which was just outside of Asmara in Eritrea, which was then part of Ethiopia, in a 1953 deal that granted Ethiopia American military assistance and training. The location of that base was perfect for stable military radio communications during the Cold War. It was several thousand feet above sea level. It was 10,000 miles from the Earth's magnetic poles. It was far from the Aurora Borealis. So the U.S. could transmit clear and secure signals back to Washington from the Middle East, Europe, and North Africa. And the U.S. government could also gather intelligence by listening to signals coming from those parts of the world. So it follows that the NSA and the CIA soon recognized that there was a strategic surveillance advantage that Cagnu gave the U.S. over their Cold War nemesis, the Soviet Union, and they set up outposts at Cagnu. So the radio technology that at Cagnu also made it possible to stabilize erratic communications with mobile underwater military systems in the Indian Ocean, meaning submarines. By 1963, it also made possible the exploration of space and missile projects. Then, in 1965, the U.S. Army Security Agency, which is the Army's Signals Intelligence Branch, began a secret project at Cagnu, codenamed Stonehouse. Stonehouse was a pair of two 15-story parabolic antennas built inside a 3,400-acre array of traditional radio receivers. The ASA's official story about Stonehouse was that it was a research project to investigate the potential of a new technology at the time, 
satellite communications. But declassified Defense Department documents show that for the next decade, into the 1970s, the antenna's true purpose was to intercept Soviet space research data. This was all about the space race. By the mid-1970s, Ethiopia's political climate was threatening Cagnew's survival. Just months after a military junta known as the Derg overthrew Emperor Haile Selassie in 1974, the U.S. decided to close Cagnew permanently. Despite the evacuation of hundreds of Americans from the base after the revolution began, the NSA kept a small crew of engineers at Cagnew Station to maintain Stonehouse. But chaos and violence grew in the streets of Asmara and Addis Ababa, and despite Secretary of State Henry Kissinger's protests, in August of 1975, the Pentagon abandoned Cagnew for good, and Stonehouse went dark. For the next 17 years, the Derg-supported dictatorship in Ethiopia killed 2 million people, and very little scientific, military, or cultural information or any other intelligence came out of the Horn of Africa. And in that information vacuum, many, many theories of all kinds emerged. This season of Optophobia, we're going to pick apart the history I just outlined to see how much of it actually holds up to scrutiny, and we'll explore those 17 years of missing information. Did the U.S. government really shutter Cagnew Station? And what was Stonehouse really for? Okay, lots of information to process, but that's why we decided to dedicate an entire season to this subject. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll get back to my co-hosts, each of whom has their own heavily researched theories about all of this. Hey, optophobes, have you ever wondered why you're fat? Stop wondering, because it doesn't matter how you got there. You're there. What you should really be wondering is how to be not fat, and how to get not fat without really doing any exercise. That's where spikenard monocled cobra solve comes in. SMCS is a solve, not a salve. Just apply it to the part of your body that's super big, and within a certain amount of time, things will happen. The active ingredients in spikenard monocled cobrasolve come directly from the lower mountains in eastern Nepal. Spikenard is an emollient made from the jatamanzi plant, and we combine that with venom from the monocled cobra. If that snake were to bite you while you were hiking in the Himalayas, and let's face it, you wouldn't be, you'd experience progressive paralysis of your nervous system, leading to respiratory paralysis, and then you'd die of asphyxiation. But rubbing SMCS all over your gut is totally safe, even soothing. Monocled cobras eat toads, fish, and small rodents. And that bouquet comes through in their venom, giving spikenard monocled cobrasolve the redolence you've always craved from a fat-dissolving ointment. Give it a try. I have a fat neck, so I'm going to try SMCS and see what happens. I'll report back to you guys next week. Uh, I know that you guys both have a lot of things to say about this topic. Um, Deborah, uh, I've heard you talk passionately about this at conferences, uh, your Cagney research. Um, can you give us a little... Uh, like a brief intro into that work? I'd be glad to, Rudy. So I know that many of you listeners at home might be thinking, what does Deborah, 
host of Deborah, know about the Horn of Africa and why is she here today talking about all this? But let me tell you that I have been intimately connected to many pop songs over the years and and one group in particular, their songs just never ever sat right with me, and that was Hollow Notes. I remember one day I was listening to the song Rich Girl by Hollow Notes, and I thought to myself, what is this but not a screed against capitalism? Can you define that word for me? A screed is an angry indictment. Oh, thank you. Of those capitalist values that we as Americans hold dear. And and I said to myself, Hall Oates, why has this rich girl gone too far? And why are you using pejoratives against her just because she gets by on her old man's money? And then it all clicked. Hall and Oates are a Soviet puppet group. And this, this theory has been backed up by my extensive research on the subject, um, which you can familiarize yourself with through my book, I Can't Go for Mind Control, parentheses, no can do, and parentheses, colon, the Soviet roots of Holland Oates. Can you just one more time for me what the name of that book was? I Can't Go for Mind Control, parentheses, imagine the parentheses, no can do, and parentheses, colon, the Soviet roots of Holland Oates. Sometimes it's listed as the Soviet roots of blue-eyed soul. Thank you. The colon is what messed me up. Thank you. That colon, um, it's double, two punctuations in a row. You can familiarize yourself with my extensive research on the subject of Holland Oates in that book available at your nearest free-thinking bookstore. But really, why we're here today is, is Cagnew. And those that 17-year period that the Derg was in charge in Ethiopia, and, and we knew nothing of what was going on there, happens to coexist with the 17 years that Daryl Hall and John Oates dominated the airways during that 17 years. In my line of work, we don't think of coincidences. We just think of stories that add up and stories that don't. And that story, it's starting to add up. Were they actual agents? Did they know what they were doing? Or were the Russians just feeding them lyrics and, and then using the, the Stonehouse antennas to broadcast that coded message? Rudy, I, I hate to be the bearer of this tragic news, but they knew what they were doing the whole time. And they're still out there doing it today. My research shows that before they got together to become Holland Oates, John Oates was radicalized by the Soviets while studying abroad at, in Europe at the University of Dusseldorf. That'll do. It's always the university education that really starts this slippery slope. Uh-huh. Let the, liber- let the liberals get their hands on you. I didn't say that, but I have said that on the air before. And all I can say is that Each and every one of their songs has a coded message about taking down the establishment of American ideals as we know them and replacing it with, there's no other way around it, socialism, folks. Wow. That's why I don't listen.
It's just a lot of red propaganda under some gorgeous hair. Yeah. And some dulcet vocals. Mm-hmm. Have, have Hollow Notes responded to your your contention that they are were and are Soviet agents, Russian agents? Their only responses come in and come in the form of various cease and desists, restraining orders, really just more proof that I'm digging around where they don't want me to be digging. Yeah, why else do, would you try and put out a cease and desist or a restraining order unless someone is speaking truth to power? Yeah, you, know, you don't really. Like uh, my ex-wife, Kimberly, I, I told her, I said, look, I've got things, i got goals and, and, and things I'm trying to accomplish as a Verizon sales analyst. She didn't want to believe it. And, uh, yeah, did I did I send out her phone number worldwide? Yeah, I did. And then what'd she do? Restraining she had, order. Restraining uh, order. Yeah. So the truth is out there. People could call her and, like, talk about me in a nice light, but she put restraint on me, so she tried to quiet the communication that could have been happening. So a lot of people quiet communication because they don't want the truth. They don't want their number out there. They don't want their cell phone number out there to the world, which to me is like, what are you hiding? You know what song I would play to go along with that? Uh, story, I'll, Hassan? I'll, no, I don't. I don't. Hassan, your story would make me play... Ricky, don't lose that number by Steely Dan. Oh, Steely Dan! Now there's, there's a bright American, if I've ever heard one. Steely Dan, I love her work. You know what I thought you were gonna say? What did you think I was gonna say? She's gone. We don't talk about that. Huh. I don't, I don't match Soviet propaganda to people's. I appreciate that. Deep. Yeah. Deep I, stories. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. So. Have Hall or Oates read your book? You know, Confucius said, know thy enemy. Mm. And I know that, that Hall and Oates are very intelligent men. And so I can believe that they're trying to learn everything they can about me in order to bring me down. And if they didn't have something to do with WGLT desyndicating my radio program, because they didn't like the truth that I was spreading about their work, then, I, then you, could, you could call me blue. That's one of my sayings. If you don't like it, then you can call me blue. Mm. You can call me red white. <laughs> well, Hassan, let's let's move to you a little bit. You have some really interesting uh, theories about Cagnew and, and Stonehouse, and how you, you call it a theory. Some people call it just the truth. Yeah. Again, communication yeah. is key to setting us all free. And when I think about Cagnew Station, because I have my background in working in communications Verizon Fios I know what's the a better place to test out new technology than a quote unquote abandoned comm station oh oh the US has pulled out oh have they have you ever known the US to abandon any project you know so here here's Cagnew sitting there we've already we've already established it's got the best signal anywhere on the planet what has come out since the dark period of Cagnew, the internet and cell phones. Two pieces of technology that were way way ahead of their time, you ask me. These two things come out around the same time, and they are just expanded exponentially. 
how do you stop the information? How do you track it? Oh, that's a nice, so the timeline, yeah. Derg would have been taken out of power probably mm-hmm. in the mid early mid nineties, mm-hmm. which was probably around when the internet the internet nineteen ninety five. The intranet from the government becomes the internet. Yep. And let me also say that nineteen ninety five, who wasn't on the airways? Holland. Holland yep. Before that, all over. All over the place. Was their last real album? In the late 80s? They're still making quote-unquote real albums today. But their last instance of airway domination happened in the late 80s. In the late 80s. 80s. That is interesting timing. What's the name of that band that's out there today? The Two Ladies? Is it Oates Oates and Hall or something like that? They do um, a Hall and Oates-esque type of show. Was two ladies who got like a guitar. I think you're referring to Garfunkel and Oates. Oh, I'm sorry. They're a comedy band. Oh, oh, okay. I never found the songs funny. Okay. I didn't know. I thought those were sincere songs. So, Hassan, the truth that you have found and that you have researched Mm -hmm. is that the internet and cell phone technology, cellular technology. Has kind of been paired up to advance side hand in hand side by side mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. why is it every time a new cell phone comes out it matches with the new updates of the internet of like higher speed available all of a sudden you know we can now these web pages are flashing up faster than you know you can skin a raccoon you know so i realized now during my own research that cagney is not dark in a sense that no one's there it's dark in the sense they don't want you to know what's happening there Okay, and this is where the kicker gets, where I really figured it out. You guys watch uh, Batman the Dark Knight? Mm-hmm. Remember that scene where uh, Alfred is watching all the cell phones in Gotham? Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, you didn't see that one? Okay, well, this is a bit of a spoiler for you, but there's a scene where he's watching all the cell phones in Gotham to try and track, track down the Joker, and it hit me. That's got to be what's happening to Cagney right now. Best signal on the planet. You don't think world governments, dictators, authoritarianism, they don't want to know a place where they can track all their citizens. So that's it's the central hive. Central hive. Hmm. What do you think they're doing with this tracking? They probably got a big old screen up just like in um, Dark Knight. They're watching where everyone is. They can map out the entire world. Little blue dots. Little blue dots. They can see where everyone is. Track your movements. Hmm. Well, call me blue. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. Do you have, as a sales analyst at Verizon Fios, Mm -hmm. I would imagine if this is one of your interests, you might have special access. Oh, I've been, I've been reprimanded so much for just snooping into people's phone records when I shouldn't be. I mean, if you ask Kimberly, apparently I'm, I'm looking too deep into who she's calling and, you know, investing myself in her life where it shouldn't be. And here comes another restraining order, you know, but as far as I'm concerned, I work for Verizon. As soon as you click that, I agree to our, you know, that little pop-up that says rights and responsibilities. If you're not reading it and you just click agree, you don't know what you've signed up for. <laughs> There's a section in there that says we can go through all of your stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. So everyone just says I agree. I can go through all your phone records. So that means every individual employee of Verizon has the ability. Can go through my stuff. Which then makes me think, okay government definitely has Verizon phones yeah. as well. Yeah. Gosh, I miss my show. Because if this were my show right now, I just, I'd just i throw on some sting and the police. Oh, the police, yeah. Okay. Every step you take, 
I'll be watching you. I'll be watching yeah, you. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Whatever happened to Sting? Kind of took a downturn there, didn't he? Did he? I thought so. When he, Remember when he was in WCW? He had the face paint. He started with the blonde hair. He was on the CW? No, he was on WCW. And he, had that, uh, he started out with the blonde hair and like the... <laughs> The colorful uh, face paint. And then he just switched to black and white. He was on Woman Crush Wednesdays? Yeah. The wrestling. Uh... I, I don't think I've seen that. That's when women crush each other on a Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. They opened for uh, World Championship Wrestling back in the day. So, ah. um, but yeah, Sting came out in black and white. And I, I remember the first time I saw Sting change from his colorful persona to black and white, I said, is there something wrong with my TV? So I was like, why is he black and white? That was Trudy's idea. Hmm. Well, that explains that. Trudy said, I want to see you just like Humphrey Bogart. Well, that explains why he came down from the rafters then. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was a shame what happened to Sting. Well, that might be a good place to uh, leave this first episode. All right. My thanks to my guests this week, Hassan, Gray, and Deborah. Uh, I'm really looking forward to... Talking more with you guys as you co-host the first season of this show. Uh, and obviously, friends, please pick up a copy of Deborah's book uh, if, if you can find a free-thinking bookstore. I Can't Go for Mind Control, No Can Do, Hall Oats, and the Soviet Roots of Blue-Eyed Soul. That's what it officially says on Amazon. I just looked it up. Good. Wow, cool. We'll see you both soon. Next week, we will talk to Reginald Sharve a retired bank teller from Snover, Michigan, who studied goats living in the Cagnew Station area. Uh, he has a hypothesis about why they all loved bananas. Like, loved them. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks for listening. I'm Rudy Wells, and I will leave you with this. It's so rare to see the hawk show compassion to the meadowlark, even though they share the same sky. If you've got theories about what was really going on at Cagnew Station, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org, or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Liz Sanders played Deborah. Liz performs with Madeline, a Washington Improv Theater house ensemble. Jamal Newman played Hassan Gray. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at, at @hellonewman, and find him at jamalnewman.com. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open. Mm-hmm.